Welcome to PSQH the podcast. I'm your host Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Stephanie Mercado, CEO and Executive Director of the National Association of Healthcare Quality, about the need for improved healthcare workforce competency. This episode is presented as part of Health Risk Management Week by Origami Risk and Risk Connect. Origami Risk delivers market-leading healthcare risk safety, quality, and compliance management solutions, all from a single integrated platform that breaks down data silos, streamlines workflows, and uncovers insights that contribute to improved patient care outcomes. Risk Connect is the leading integrated risk management software solution provider. Our technology empowers organizations with the ability to anticipate, manage, and respond in real time to strategic and operational risks across the extended enterprise. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Stephanie Mercado, CEO and Executive Director of the National Association of Healthcare Quality. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Jay. Great to have you. Um, and to start off, we're going to talk about uh, adverse events today, but I wanted to have you tell me a little bit about yourself and NACU. Great. Happy to. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Stephanie Mercado. I'm the CEO of the National Association for Healthcare Quality. We pronounce that NACU. Um, NACU represents almost 10,000 individual members more than 14,000 CPHQs, which is the Certified Professional in Healthcare Quality, the only accredited certification in healthcare quality. And most recently, NACU has added to our mission and expanded and energized our mission by supporting healthcare organizations to really build capacity and capabilities for quality and safety. And so with that, uh, we offer organizational benchmarking so uh, organizations and individuals can really understand the level of investment it takes to pull off a, a high functioning and sustainable quality operation. And we're also offering um, opportunities to assess teams, engage teams, activate teams uh, through the supported uh, effort and a program we call Workforce Accelerator. So um, with that, we also have a lot of intelligence that we're building and really bringing net new knowledge to the field because we have access to individuals, to organizations, and the, the data that's uh, being pulled from there is really robust and uh, remarkable, in fact. So uh, really excited about the uh, direction of this organization, and I'm very excited to be here talking with you about safety. Excellent. Um, well, let's start off by talking uh, about a couple of recent studies that came out on adverse events uh, from the New England Journal of Medicine and the uh, HHS Office of Inspector General. Um, what, did, what did you sort of see, uh, you know, in these studies and, you know, what are sort of the implications uh, on, on adverse events and sort of how to deal with them? So both studies really highlighted the fact that we are not far enough along on the safety uh, journey and that we can go uh, have, a, have a lot of opportunity to improve outcomes. Um, we also know, uh, highlighted especially in the OIG report, that uh, those safety events are also causing a lot of financial hardship in healthcare and really um, wasting a lot of uh, precious resources that we have to deliver healthcare. So overall, I think that um, both reports really highlight where we are as a country and how we're uh, showing up from a safety perspective. But I think measuring in a lot of cases, while very important, 
uh, really just continues to confirm the problem. And so from our perspective, a way to think about improving on quality, safety, and even equity and value is really going to be to focus on workforce competencies. We've done a lot of work uh, saying what needs to change in healthcare and not enough about how to change uh, those things in healthcare, which really I think um, are in large part related to workforce. It's the biggest lever healthcare leaders have uh, to make change in their organizations. And workforce is also the biggest expenditure on any uh, budget in healthcare. And so I think focusing some of our energy in that direction might uh, help us bend the safety curve. Why do you think that um, those competencies aren't where they should be? There's a lot of reasons. Um, so let's uh, unpack that a little bit. So I think that um, when, when NACU thinks about the workforce, um, at the center of our target is gonna be the quality and safety professionals mm -hmm. who uh, not only focus on compliance related activities, but who are really driving excellence in healthcare organizations. Um, next rung out in that sort of bullseye target is going to be clinical leadership, uh, including service line leaders who are really um, helping translate a lot of the um, safety goals, the financial goals of the organizations down into clinical practice, and then of course um, the clinical front lines. So uh, to answer your question about why do we not have the competencies we need, um, maybe we can start to work our way from the outside in. Uh, first things first, uh, the clinical training for quality and safety is highly variable and really dependent um, on a variety of things, including what is the profession. Uh, medicine uh, and, and nursing, for example, have some similarities in what they're teaching, but it is different, um, both uh, from the, the clinical safety competencies and also the non-clinical safety competencies around um, identifying adverse events, reporting those events, uh, doing rapid cycle improvement processes, um, and really sort of culture changing uh, activities. So the, the training in that respect is variable and on those outer edges really focuses mostly on clinical competencies for quality and, um, and not as much as on the other ones that I'll speak about in a minute. Um, uh, when you get sort of closer in, that next layer in on towards the bullseye, the clinical leadership, those individuals, um, while very skilled from a clinical capacity, do not always have the quality and safety skills that I would call are administrative to think about things like the impact of uh, health data analytics. How do you take the competencies uh, or the, the, the clinical work and understand it better? You need health data analytics skills. You need skills in performance and process improvement regulatory and accreditation, uh, measures, reimbursement, things like that, that sort of start to, you know, um, uh, be a bridge into the the, the next uh, layer of the um, bullseye there, which is your quality and safety leaders. A lot of those individuals um, are very skilled and very talented, but also came from clinical professions. Mm -hmm. So they're working in quality and safety uh, because they were really good at something else first. And there are very few academic options for quality and safety uh, training from a master's level perspective. And so um, you sort of look at the, 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 the whole you know, um, target and say the workforce competency training uh, at the end of the day, 
highly variable mm -hmm. and we have not agreed on a few things that everybody needs to know in advance of uh, quality and safety. And then also when you think about those specialized skills, um, it's very, very new. And so this is a new frontier that NACU is really taking a leadership role in. So what would you recommend to a healthcare organization that wants to kind of, you know, build up that quality and safety expertise where, you know, where do you think that they should kind of start off? So I think the place to start is actually at the center of that target, right in the bullseye, and really begin investing even more in their quality and safety workforce. Um, our research indicates a couple of things. Um, number one, that most healthcare organizations are not uh, fully funding the training and development, the professional development of their team. About half of the people working in quality and safety self-fund their own professional development. And so that needs to change immediately. Not only that, but we also need to really expand our view of what quality and safety is. Mm -hmm. So uh, the old mental models, which really place an emphasis on compliance, check the box, jump through the hoop, pass the test, uh, really need to evolve. And we should be speaking um, and, and aspiring much more towards excellence, which would include notions of care transitions, population health, health data analytics, uh, payment models, and uh, value-based care. So I think um, you know the funding of it and then a broader view of what the work is would be a great place for healthcare organizations to start. And then to understand how they that needs to pull through all the way to the front lines. Um, NACU actually offers a quality and safety training for clinical front lines. And the uh, organizations that we are working with and piloting this with are saying that they are really seeing a more active and engaged workforce um, around reporting adverse events. And um, that, that for them, they had the technology in place and they, they knew how to use that technical tool to report the events, but what they didn't do was train their workforce on how to identify an adverse event and how to report an adverse event and how to improve um, on you know, whatever failure or shortcoming was um, the source of that adverse event. So I think a really strong commitment to education and training, competency-based training uh, across the board in the organization is absolutely what is needed and really unification around the healthcare quality competency framework that NACU created and validated in 2018. Um, it is really becoming the mainstay, the standard in the, the um, industry. And we wanna see a lot more of that because we are not gonna reduce variability in healthcare delivery until we reduce variability in these healthcare quality competencies. Um, does that also kind of start with leadership too, from the top down to kind of communicate, you know, the need for that kind of uh, knowledge base that maybe wasn't communicated in the past? Absolutely. I think this is all about leadership. I was actually on a call earlier today with some other healthcare executives and CEOs and really understanding that, um, you know, the whole environment of healthcare has been evolving. But the attention given to workforce readiness to adapt to those changes, to the competencies and skills and the upskilling that needs to occur has really um, been left by the wayside. 
And so I think leadership really needs to understand that the time to ready the workforce and activate the workforce and quality and safety is right now. Things are not going to get uh, better, they're not going to get easier as healthcare evolves. And so we really need to recommit to establishing that study foundation and making sure that this is a uh, the priority at an organization. Quality and safety are both the uh, processes that we use to achieve uh, good outcomes in healthcare and the, re the result. Uh, so we really need to be focused there. Um Part of a, a good sort of adverse event program too is reporting, uh, having employees feel comfortable enough to report uh, adverse events when they see them and even near misses. What do you think needs to be done to kind of make those, you know, uh, rank and file workers more, you know, comfortable to, to report, you know, things that they see happening around them? Well, certainly safety culture is something that we know is incredibly important and the uh, opportunities to be speaking up and have that feedback be welcomed and appreciated is is hugely important. Um, I have a feeling uh, that a lot of people too are not speaking up because they're, they have not been trained on exactly how to identify an adverse event or what even rises to that level. And so there's a lot of things that go unchecked and not only that, um, but when we think about reporting and, and, and what happens next, if someone keeps reporting issues and they're never really addressed, and that proverbial pen keeps rolling off the desk, pretty soon people are going to stop reporting and say, it doesn't matter anyway. I tell people all the time that X, Y, or Z is um, you know, a point of failure in this organization, and no one's listening to me. So I think as much as uh, the safety culture and the reporting, we need people who are actually doing things about what is um, are the opportunities for improvement in healthcare and closing the loop with those people to say thank you for making that um, acknowledgement and we did something about it. And, and I think that that is uh, a real big part of advancing the culture of safety. And is that also being balanced with sort of, you know, I think there was sort of a fear of liability in a lot of cases where, you know, somebody may not report something because, you know, it may reflect badly on the organization or on the person themselves or on their department. Uh, is that sort of uh, turning around and people are becoming a little more, you know, they're not worried about that as much as making sure that, you know, the right thing is being done? You know, I think that, um, I hope so. I hope that that's what's happening. Um, you know, our data suggests we have uh, data where we've asked the workforce about how they're showing up with regards to um, what I would call eth your ethical standards, right? The the need to speak up and, and do something um, that, that needs to be done uh, to improve quality and safety. And um, our data actually suggests that there's a lot of people um, not who, who are not doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we did the research project, we sort of showed them groupings of work, of skills, of things they would be doing if they were um, speaking up more often, escalating issues, working on policies to resolve them. And we asked them those questions at the foundational level, the proficient level, and the advanced level. And we said, how do you show up? Do you, which level do you, you know, see yourself in? And about 39% of them said they don't do any of those things. Hmm. 
And so that was a really big deal for us. And we yeah. said, well, why not, right? And some of the feedback that we got, now that, then we move into the qualitative um, zone here and say, well, why, what's happening? Um, you know, a, a lot of people say, oh, well, I didn't know that that's what, uh, what you meant. I didn't know what, that that's what ethics was. And again, herein lies the problem. If we are not put, putting people, putting the workforce through standard training to say, this is your ethical obligation, here is what you should be doing, I don't think that we could possibly expect that they would be using um, event reporting in its uh, you know, highest and best use because they're not even sure what that means. So it's really like an education uh, effort just to kind of get people, you know, on the same, I guess, uh, playing field. Absolutely. And all of the, um, I would say, the topics that are around the provision of high quality safe care, right? So very often, I, I my background uh, before coming to NACU, I worked in medical specialty societies. And we focused a lot on the quality and safety of clinical care delivery, which is hugely important. Mm -hmm. But the, the key to the lock there is all of the things that happen behind the scenes um, that require not only hard skills and knowledge in um, improvement methodologies and health data analytics and, and new uh, concepts in population health, but the, the softer topics around professionalism and ethics. Um, not everyone has equally been trained in these things and they all also sometimes are taken too literally. So if a nurse or physician has been trained in ethics as it relates to patient care, it's a little bit different than what we're talking about in ethics when you're talking about the administrative mm -hmm. um, ethics and what that looks like. So uh, not everybody is uh, connecting, you know, that dot or pulling that thread through, um, you know, the entire notion of uh, high quality and safe care at the system level. And that's really what we care about um, is making sure that we have sustainable systems to bend the curve on these, um, you know, safety measures. Uh, and then there are sort of outside pressures. I mean, you know, you, you look at the Redondo Vought case um, that, you know, was resolved last year where, you know, a, a former nurse was had charges, criminal charges brought against right. her uh, for a patient death. Um, you know, ultimately, she, you know, she didn't have to serve jail time. But I, the, does that kind of uh, have a chilling effect on, you know, healthcare professionals who maybe think twice about reporting something because it might blow back on them? Sure. Yeah, that was um, very um, uh, serious and um, dramatic to really see that coming through in the mainstream news channels, right? right. Uh, working in quality and safety, we know these things happen and we hear about them in our work circles, but to see that highlighted on CNN and uh, Fox News and others uh, was very um compelling. And so I think that um, we need to really be thinking about how we're supporting individuals and how we are also working to make sure that the systems they work in are safe. So last year, uh, we have an annual conference every year. It's called NICU Next, where mm -hmm. we talk about, um, you know, where things need to go from here in healthcare. And at one of our sessions, we actually did a full unpacking of that case and uh, really explored from a quality perspective the failures. You know, the medication that was administered to that patient, um, from uh, our expert opinion, should not have even have been in the cart. 
right? right? And, and it should have, uh, you know, had a different way that uh, it, it was it was being handled. So if you kind of unwind that and say, you know, uh, Ms. Vaught maybe never would have been in that situation if we had done quality and safety um, to the highest and best of our ability. Um, I think that's where the real focus needs to be. Yeah, there were a lot of breakdowns along the way before it even that's got right. to her, right? Um, right. So, you know, you, you were talking about NICU next and, and sort of looking looking ahead, you know, so what do you, what sort of is your long-term view of, of this issue of, you know, getting uh, the workforce trained with, you know, good quality and patient safety training. How do you see that playing out over the next, you know, five to 10 years? So I think that we are going to have to have a full-scale national commitment to a coordinated competent workforce. Um, I think leaders need to be involved and engaged in this. And most importantly, we need to align to a standard. Uh, and that standard is the healthcare quality competency framework that NACU created. Um, what's great about that framework is that um, uh, it has, you know, these eight dimensions, um, including, as I've mentioned before, uh, throughout this uh, discussion, population health, care transitions, health data analytics, quality review, accountability, regulatory and accreditation, and uh, PPI and more. Uh, we have those eight domains, 29 competencies, and then the 486 skills stratified against foundational proficient and advanced levels. And what really needs to happen is for an organization to say and under to understand they need people covering all of those bases. <laughs> you can't have one person who has an assignment to go in this direction and another one to go in that direction and that you hope that you know the dots will connect and that the handoffs will occur between the teams. Um, we really need to align towards the standard and we need to activate our workforce around it. And that's really um, the, the next level of our work is to say, there, starting with, there is a standard, it has been validated, organizations are starting to adopt this, individuals are pursuing it, and now comes the phase of um, full-scale national adoption around this aligned resource so that we have same skills, same vocabulary, same competencies, and a much, much more sustainable healthcare system. How much of a challenge is, you know, we're talking about the workforce, the, the workforce shortage where, you know, obviously there's, you know, it's been a struggle, especially over the last couple of years with the pandemic. You've had a lot of people leaving the workforce. Uh, so there's, you know, struggles with workforce retention and also attracting new people into, uh, you know, th these fields. Uh, you know, how, how do you kind of uh, deal with that and sort of, you know, where you've got not as many workers as you would like and then, you know, trying to build that training up at the same time? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, also throw other complexities in there like supply chain and, mm. and others that are really, you know, causing a lot of disruption. I, I think that that speaks to the need to continue to focus on the sustainable systems. When we are having people move in and out of their roles and supplies change all the time, certainly there's an adaptation that needs to occur that just cannot be oversimplified. Um, that being said, 
um, the more sustainable the system is, the more set up it is for success, I think the better that we are going to be. Um, I will also say that from a quality and safety perspective, people working in full-time roles in quality and safety, the work that we're doing with our um, solution called Workforce Accelerator is actually improving employee engagement, improving employee retention in those quality and safety roles, and really helping healthcare leaders develop um, comprehensive and coordinated work plans for their teams, and also uh, address things like succession planning. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing organizations like the Veterans Health Administration, Kaiser Permanente Northern California, Inspira, Oak Lawn, lots of organizations who are really understanding that they need to get their arms around quality and safety. And they're doing that with our resources. And it is helping uh, not only advance their organizational goals, but uh, warms my heart that we are affecting real people doing their jobs on a day-to-day basis. This is helping the workforce uh, be happier and more uh, successful in their roles. Well, that sounds good. Let's hope it keeps going. Uh, Stephanie, thank thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate being with you. I'd love to come back. All right. That wraps up episode 81 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks again for your origami risk and risk connect for sponsoring the episode. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at PSQH.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again and stay safe.